Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Adding a disclaimer to this episode because you may hear some little the pitter-patter of little feet running around. Um, this is my new dog, Peaches. <laughs> Normally, Nick entertains her, but I happened to record at a time Nick was not home, and so you will hear her uh, running around a little bit in the background. I took out as much as I could. I'm sorry about that. Uh, going forward, you probably will not hear that because I'll probably just wait to record till he comes home. But anyway, wanted to add that. The rest of the episode is great. Enjoy. Hey, this is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. You can also find me at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Um, if you want to support us on there, you can. The show is always free, but we do have a bonus episode where right now we're covering WandaVision, and recently we covered all of The Mandalorian with guests, so just some extra content on there. Um, and I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons and they are Chris Balga, Michael Cross, Philip Barker, and Ricardo Alvarez. Thank you so much for keeping the lights on. Uh, and if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. And lastly, I do want to mention that we do have a website as well. I love that moviepodcast.com. Um, and I have a returning guest with me here today. Hey, Thomas, how are you doing? Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Lisa, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so I always have the guests pick their the movie that they love. So what movie did you choose to talk about today? I chose The Hunt for the Wilder People, uh, which is a Taika Waititi film. came out about five years ago, I think now. But uh, yeah, so that's the one I picked. Awesome. Yes, Hunt for the Wilder People came out in 2016. Did you see this movie in theaters? I did. Um, and... It was, you know, I live in Arizona, and so this was, you know, it's, it was one of those, like, limited release things over here in the United States, um, and I, I remember the only reason I went to go see it is because uh, they had announced that he was doing the new Thor, you know, Thor Ragnarok, and so I hadn't, I hadn't heard of him before that, and so I was huh. excited to kind of check out his work. I'd, you know, whenever these, these kind of, these directors that aren't quite as big you know, they come on to these like superhero projects or something like that. I always kind of like to at least see some of their stuff before I see their their big movies. And uh, uh, I've become a huge Taika Waititi fan ever since. He's kind of like anything he does, I'm there for. Oh, great. Yeah. So I think back when this came out in 2016, I don't think I was aware that Taika Waititi was directing Thor. I don't know if I was like a big fan back then. I think the first thing that I ever saw that he made was actually What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, and yeah. I think I might have watched that specifically for the show. So I think like before that, I don't think I had like a big awareness of who he was. Okay. Um, 
but I really liked that film. I thought it was super funny, and I yeah. very much enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, okay, this is, like, connected to that. And, you know, I, I think he's a great director. And then I went back and started to look for more of his work, and I think that's when I saw Hunt for the Wilder People. And oh. I really, you know, so it's probably the second or third of his films that I saw, but I definitely felt like, um, you know, I really enjoyed what we do in the shadows and this one is equally funny, but it's got a lot more emotional beats in this one, uh, than that first film. So it, it's definitely, I think I've, I've kind of come full circle. I've become a big Taika fan. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got such a unique style, unique voice. And I think it's, I mean, he won an Oscar last year, which was so cool. Yeah. I was so excited for him to, that, that he was able to, have that achievement but a recognition um and i think it's you know yeah this i don't i don't always see a lot of the like limited release independent films as, i mean i i like them i just don't get to the movies as much as i'd like but for some reason i made an effort to see this one um and i really had no idea what it was about and i'm really glad i did um and uh it's yeah anyways it's, it's just such a fun movie so and he's he's got such a cool style that i'm just so excited to see more of what he does going forward so agreed and i kind of skipped over this a little bit in the beginning but um you know you've actually come on the show a few times and a lot of the films that you've chosen are like you know inception or uh what, what are some of the other episodes that we've done uh, together we did let's see we did stars last jedi which was that's fun. right okay i was like i felt like there was a star wars one in there. yeah there's been a few I think we did Back to the Future too. Back to the Future, yeah. So yeah. like kind of bigger Hollywood films right. um, have been your episodes. And you have a superhero show as well. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've covered is kind of more of those bigger projects. But it's interesting sometimes when they pull in directors like Taika, Taika, it actually did, you know, spark your interest in going back and seeing or watching a project of his that was like a little bit more independent. And back to what you were saying a moment ago, um, yeah, you know, a lot of times when you've been on the show, we've talked about, like you said, Inception, Back to the Future, kind of bigger Hollywood sort of budget films that I also love. But it is kind of interesting that they picked Taika, and so that kind of made you want to, like, look into him, and then you end up watching kind of like a smaller independent film. And, um, you know, when I saw this movie, I thought, I'm so glad that there's still a space for films like this, you know, that, that yeah. have, like these really character driven stories are not necessarily huge budget, but lots of heart. You can just see all the potential, you know, that, that Disney saw in him when they chose him for Thor. Right. right. Yeah. And I, and I'm really glad that he, after doing Thor Ragnarok, his next thing was Jojo rabbit, which is like a smaller yes. movie as well. And I, like a more intimate film. It's not, you know, this huge superhero film, which I love those but like it's i hope that he because he's doing um you know the next thor again i hope he can it'd be kind of cool if he could switch off like that i'd love to still see him do these smaller movies but so yeah i anyway that it's it's i'm really glad that this um i don't know if it was this film they caught their eye or what but uh this is probably my favorite of his um you know i i've, I've loved everything he's done but this is probably my my favorite one so far so I think it might be mine too. You know, Jojo Rabbit, there's no way he would have made that had he not made Thor, I think. I mean, it's like yeah. he sort of earned the street cred to be able to do whatever he wanted. And a lot of oh. a lot of filmmakers do that where they have like a, a dream project, but they got to make, 
you know, the money first and get the notoriety first. Um, mm-hmm. But out of all his films, which I enjoy all of them, I do think that I agree with you. I think Hunt for the Wilder People is the one that I connected with probably the most. Yeah. Um, and with that said, um, we are not a spoiler-free podcast, so I would encourage anybody that hasn't seen this movie yet, first of all, go see it. I think it was on Amazon Prime. Is that right? I, I just saw uh, it the other day, and I don't think I had to rent it. Yeah, it could be. I, I own it, so I, I know it was on Hulu at one point, too. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, if, if, if you have to rent it, it's worth it, too. So Agree, <laughs> yeah. And I have a really fast synopsis. Um, it's literally one sentence because it's not like a super complicated plot. But right. basically, a national manhunt is ordered for a rebellious kid and his foster uncle who go missing in the wild New Zealand bush. Um, and this this particular movie was based on a book called Wild Park and Watercress by the author Barry Crump. Have you heard of that book or, or seen it? I have not. No, I've, I still have never read it, but... Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know much about it, but yeah, me neither. I I was surprised to see that it was uh, based on a book. Um, I would yeah. be interested to read it, but it just, I guess, like kind of knowing some of Taika's background, it just felt so tied to him. I kind of assumed it was like his idea, um, yeah. but definitely, I would be interested in reading that. Uh, one of the other notes that I had, and probably one of my favorite scenes from the movie was that the Ricky Baker Happy Birthday song was created especially for the film because the filmmakers did not have the rights to use the traditional Happy Birthday song. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, <laughs> but love that. I love the creativity with that. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, parts of the movie is that little yeah. song. And on the um, soundtrack, okay. I don't know if you've ever listened to it, there's like a full version of it with oh, like really? instruments and stuff. It's pretty awesome. So I, I've jammed out to that quite a few times. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I have to go look that up. Um, the last thing that I had was that the fourth, this is the fourth film directed by Taiga to premiere at Sundance. So um, he had, a, um, after Eagle versus Shark in 2007, he did a film called Boy in 2010. And then, of course, like the biggest one, probably the biggest film that a lot of us would know would be What We Do in the Shadows in 2014. And they've all had a, crit- a you know, critical acclaim. So it's kind of like a slow build to us. He kind of, Flew in on the scene, but obviously he had been around for a while. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't I didn't realize he had premiered all those other ones there too. So, um, and, and while you were, I looked up. You can actually stream this on Netflix and Hulu. It's on both right now. I just oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one kind of interesting tidbit that I was reading about because um, there's not a ton out there for this movie as much as I was. There's like, not. Hoping. Yeah. But, um, one of my favorite scenes, and I, I probably my favorite scene in the movie is the the funeral scene. <laughs> yes. Uh, and which ty- that's Taiko Atiti is the the priest there. It's just oh my gosh, it's so hilarious. But I guess he um, he based that off like an experience he had. Um, oh really? Yeah, and I don't know. He didn't it didn't go into like this was just on IMDb, so I don't know how accurate it is. But oh yeah, sometimes I, sometimes it's real, sometimes it's not. But regardless, right. I get most of my facts from there anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we all trust it anyway. So if so, I mean, I, that's, that's pretty hilarious, but, uh, um, yeah, that, that scene is just, I think it's so funny and like totally nails like his style, his humor. Um, and I, my, I think my favorite part of that is like when Ricky Baker's like, when he's like, what's behind that door? And he's like, vegetables. And he's like, no, not, not vegetables. Like I'll just disgusted <laughs> that he would say that. Like, <laughs> oh man, his comedic timing is just, man, I, he's, he's, he, I love it. It's perfect. 
I, I completely agree. I think Taika does a really good job of touching on things that are like, well, well, he'll give you like a really big emotional beat and then sort of rescue you a little bit right afterward um, yeah. with a little bit of humor. But it's it's so well placed because it's like it touches on the awkwardness of, I think, certain life events like, you know, when there is a death and when you go to the funeral. Um there's all these little like unsaid, I think awkward things mm -hmm. that happen. And he, he does a good job of like turning that into, into humor that you can kind of relate to. Totally. And it's not like, it's not like, uh, it's situational humor. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, where like you go into this like awkward church building and it just looks like this old building. And, you know, I'm sure we've all been to those before that there's, they're not the most comfortable or like whatever, you know, it's, I mean, it's a funeral too. So you're not usually, those aren't always the happiest times. And, but he, he does just has this really weird quirky priest that <laughs> probably is the only guy in the town that, you know, like he's like, I guess I'll be the priest, you know, and maybe he doesn't have, I don't know. And it's just that, that situational humor. I, I really like, especially coming after the scene we have right before it um, is, I think it's very, yeah, it's very needed in that moment because it's when we sorry i don't know if, i don't know if you i'm jumping ahead a little bit but oh no you're fine when uh bella dies that that scene is just kind of comes out of nowhere and i remember the first time seeing it like holding back tears because i was just like oh my gosh she what she's she's dead like they just I, and because she she puts I, I don't remember the actress's name i'm blanking her name but she puts she has such a heartwarming performance where she's just like this really just soft warm-hearted person that Ricky Baker like finally it's like finally someone that cares about him and, and she just kind of loves him and accepts him exactly for who he is and then to lose that is like it's uh I don't know it's it's really emotional and then you go into this but you go into the scene that's like kind of eases some of that that tension so it's not quite you know it's not quite as heavy but which I I, I thought was really well done yeah I think you know with Ricky you know, we're introduced to him as uh, as a bad egg. <laughs> as uh, I think her name is Paula in the movie, I think yeah. Rachel would say, Rachel House would say. Uh, but um, he's sort of a, you know, a, a kid that's had to move around to a lot of different homes. He's got a little bit of a rebellious nature, a thick skin, and he doesn't act super excited when she when he comes home with her, um, you know, when, when he's introduced to her and to Sam Neill's character. And um, it takes a long time for her to crack his shell, you know, like um, there's several different scenes of her trying to connect with him until finally they start to kind of function as a little family. And that's when she dies. And yeah. it, you're right. It just comes out of nowhere. And even though Rachel was only in a few scenes, I don't know, you just kind of took for granted that she would always be there. It just felt like, okay, this movie's going to be about her and him and their connection. And then maybe they'll like loop Sam Neill, you know, at some point. But instead, it's like the opposite of that. You know, she passes away quickly, but she was the one that actually adopted Ricky. And so now, you know, uh, the state is basically like, well, we got to take him back and find him a new home again. And I think for the first time in Ricky's life, he felt truly accepted and he doesn't want to leave, which is really funny because Sam Neill's character is uh, less receptive to keeping him there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's you know, like seeing him. The, you know, we get the intro to Ricky Baker and uh, like you said, pause the way she describes him. It's like 
you know, she just goes down and lists all these things he does. And, and when you stop and look at it, it's like, I, I mean, I guess a lot of that stuff is just stuff that most teenage boys do. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, and, and also a little bit of a cry for help. I mean, he's, I think he's, he needs attention and he needs well, someone to spend a lot of time with him. But it's yeah. sort of being interpreted as he's a bad kid. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think it's like, you know, they, uh, I think kind of one of the, like, themes of this film is like you know because even uh hector his uncle you know sam neil's character like he describes himself as like uh kind of like a, a wayward soul in a sense where you know his wife kind of sees him and takes him in and she takes in ricky and she's taking in these people that no one else wants you know and i think ricky kind of fits that too he's this kid that like you know it doesn't seem like he's he's probably a troublemaker but he's not like doing anything super outrageous um and he finally finds a home and then he loses <clears throat> like that one person that like really sees him and cares about him and i i'd love to like <clears throat> excuse me how when at the very beginning when he first gets there he tries to run away and he doesn't get very far <laughs> <And she's laughs> yeah. like he like wakes up and she's just sitting out there and, and he's like she's kind of like well you know you're welcome to run away but you want to come have some breakfast first and he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then, like, I, it just reminded me, when I was a kid, I remember, like, I wanted to run away one time. I was, like, I was much younger, but I remember, like, telling my mom I was going to run away to my friend's house. And so she, like, I remember she helped me, like, pack a bag and put some food in there. And I remember I went to my friend's and his mom came out and she's like, so you're welcome to come here, but um, we've got this, this, and this going on tonight. And so... Um, you're probably like, you'll need to come back a little bit later. So I don't know if you want to go to the park. They were, they were like both in on it. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I'll just go home actually. I think my bed sounds kind of nice. Um, <laughs> anyway, so like, I really, I relate to that moment, but then I, I love to later on, like once he's really settled, he's like, she's like, so you're going to run away again tonight? And he's like, nah, I'll probably stay here. Like just, I don't know. I just love how she's kind of like, if you know, if that's what you want to do, then then go for it, you know, but we're here. And he's probably yeah. never had anything like that where anytime he tries to do something like that's, you know, like bad, I guess, would quote bad or whatever, like he is treated with like a ton of like um, disciplinary action or whatever, just anger, frustration. And so it's, I don't know, just it's kind of cool to see how she was able to connect with him so quickly and just kind of let him be who he was and what he wanted to do. Yeah, she, he tests his boundaries. I, I think he's he's sort of testing to see, like, if I push you really hard, that's when you're going to give up. And it's like it's almost like he subconsciously kind of sabotages himself. And he's yeah. probably done that repeatedly at every home he's been in, but it's because he's hurting. And she's, you know, really intuitive and picks up on that, probably because she's been through that. Because later we find out, you know, she keeps talking about where she's from and where she'd want her ashes, I think, to be. She mentioned yeah. uh, her home. And then Ricky brings it up, like, hey, we need to take her ashes there. And he's like, oh, she made that up. She didn't, she yeah. doesn't know where she came from. And she didn't have any family. And that's like a really big aha moment for Ricky. Um, that she was trying so hard to create a home for him because she didn't have one. And yeah, the same thing for Sam Neill's character. He's like, almost like a loner, you know, what would you call that here in America? Like a, a, a hill person? I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. he a hermit you know like he 
he's you find out later in the movie that he's illiterate that um you know he kind of lives off the land and that's how he wants to be and he doesn't like to be around people for whatever reason and so she was one of the few people that could reach him and had a good relationship with him and then she was kind of doing that with ricky and now she's gone and they've kind of got to navigate this new world without her you know how do they create these relationships with other people and it turns into this whole adventure where everyone thinks that Ricky's been kidnapped by this hermit. Um, but it definitely makes her good situational comedy, but it, it's also pretty touching. Right. And I, uh, I really like how, like just how kind of their adventure starts, I guess it's kind of like Ricky's just kind of like, he's just, he's done. He's not, um, you know, he's like, I'm not going back to child welfare. Um, and he, you know, he tries to like pretend like he commits suicide. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To throw him off his trail. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and then you find them out. Yeah. You get them out in like the bush, but I think it's, it's, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, like Sam Neill's character, Hector, he's like, he basically tells Ricky, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go bush, going to go live out there for a while. And, you know, it's like, I think it's kind of, it's sad that, you know, he, like his wife Bella was like his one, that was his home. Like she was his home. Yeah, his one human connection. Right. Um, And he kind of has to like learn to find that for himself outside of her, you know, within himself. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of like a cool journey that he goes on in this movie. Um, Because, you know, like, and it's interesting, once again, like this more, the situational humor, he breaks his ankle and he's stuck out there with Ricky, you know, for... (laughs) I think they say they're out there for six weeks before they like come back in. Like they, they come back. <laughs> yeah, they become national news and everyone's yeah. there's this big manhunt to try to find this little boy. Um, and you know, Rachel's character uh, is very much. I mean, it, it's like she thinks she's in the FBI. There's yeah. points in the movie where they're like, "You're not a cop," and we don't say that over here. <laughs> yeah. She takes her job a little too seriously. No child left behind. Um, which I feel like her character has her heart in the right place for sure. Like she, I think she does care about children, but she's just a little too by the book. And I don't know, it seems like sort of a soft commentary on the system a little bit where it's kind of like, you know, it's definitely got a lot of flaws and everything like that. And, and maybe there's a better way to, to handle some of these situations, but at the same time, acknowledging that they are people too, you know, <laughs> Um, she's one of my favorite characters in the film and I can see why she made it into Thor Ragnarok. I really appreciated her in that movie too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, I, and, um, I don't know if you, did you see soul? The, the oh yeah, I did. I didn't realize she was in that. She voices the, um, the, the, uh, the counter person, the person that counts the souls anyways. Oh yeah. You know what? Yeah. There were two was, was also, um, what's his name? Darcy in it as well. Um, because I thought I heard two voices that I recognized. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, Reese Darby, Darcy. Oh, I don't know why yeah. I said Darby. Okay. I meant Darby, Darby. But yeah, yeah. Wasn't he in Soul too? I feel like I, I heard his he voice. Been. He could have been. Yeah. There were like two New Zealand voices. <laughs> yeah. But I know um, she was because I I remember I'm like hey, that voice sounds so familiar and I looked that one up but I don't know if he he could have been in it too but um but it yeah could have no, just been Taika actually but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Um 
She's she's great. I love like when she's like on the news and she's just like, no child left behind. No child left behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, kinda like uh, okay, all right. Like she, she's very single minded. <laughs> yeah. I think though, like it, I think there is maybe a bit of a commentary there about because, um, you know, you, you know, like here in, I think it's across the United States. I know here in Arizona it's called DCS, Department of Child Services. They changed that from CPS a couple years ago, but. And I, I used to do a lot of work with people within that organization, and it's 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 not the most well-funded. It's not the most well, you know, you're not paid well to do those types of jobs. Um, but it's a really important and critical job. In this movie, it's like she, I think she has some of the best like moments in the movie too. And then and then the um, police officer Andy, like her partner, I think he's he's layers too. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that she's favorite... always, like, yelling at. <laughs> he's, like, kind of yeah. misty-eyed sometimes. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite moments when he's like, there's a $10,000 reward, dead or alive. Is it... Oh, wait, no, sorry. Alive. <laughs> we need him alive. <laughs> dead or alive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I think, no, he was, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. There was also a, a guy that she yells at at one point in the film, and he gets kind of a little misty-eyed when she screams at him. Oh, um, yeah. I can't remember the name of that guy. He was, like, a real small guy. Um but yeah, yeah, it's like her heart is in the right place. The funding is not there. The training possibly is also not there. Yeah. <laughs> but you like her. You don't hate her in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I actually recommended this film uh, to my dad the other day when we were covering it. I was like, I just told him because I watched it. And I said, you know who else would like this movie? I bet my dad would like this movie. So I encouraged him to watch it, and he loved it, although he was totally shocked he did not realize that was Sam Neill. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to be like, you know, it's Sam Neill. And he's like, he was kind of like, who? And I'm like, you know, the guy from Jurassic Park. And he was like, no. I'm like, yes. No, wait, this guy from Jurassic Park? Yes, that guy. Let me go look it up. I was like, okay. And he was like, whoa, I watched that whole movie. He's so different. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's older now <laughs> but yeah he is kind of playing a different character than i think we're used to seeing him in like when i think of sam neill i think of him as like i don't know like handsome and dashing and not necessarily a hermit <laughs> totally I, and i you know I'm, I'm trying like i know i've seen him in a lot of stuff but jurassic park's like the biggest one that comes to mind like same Dr. grant you know and i i I know he's in other things. I just I can't think <laughs> off the top of my head. But yeah, he's he's this more gruff. He's got the big beard, so he kind of looks different as well. And I think he's a natural. I think he's from New Zealand as well. Maybe I don't. Know, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, there. either New Zealand or Australian. But I thought about it, and I was like, actually, yeah, I think he is. Oh no, you know what? He's. It says born in uh, Omag. Is this saying Colorado? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, but he did move to New Zealand oh, in okay. 1954. So that's probably why we think that. So maybe he born grew... in. Oh, it looks like he was born in Northern Ireland and then moved to New okay. Zealand. Okay, there we go. Yeah, it's like when when I think of him, I do think of him as like international because <laughs> I mean he has an accent. Um, although I don't know if in Jurassic Park you were supposed to think he was British. I can't remember, but yeah, I can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, like he it's, has like a slight accent not like a really thick one yeah well yeah it looks like he grew up there like he went to college and everything in new zealand yeah. so yeah i guess he's probably he probably considers himself a new zealander 
Yeah. Which which I like about this movie too is that everyone, the whole cast is from New Zealand, and, and it's I think it's the whole crew and right? everyone is is from New Zealand. And um, I actually so I actually lived in Australia for a few years when I first graduated high school, and oh cool, a lot of uh, New Zealanders over there too because it's it's pretty easy I think to travel between the two, um, and so you know I got pretty good about like picking up the Australian accent versus like a New Zealand accent and mm-hmm. a lot of the slang and stuff that is in this movie is stuff that I'd heard when I lived over there. And so I remember when I saw it for the first time, that was also something that I really loved about this movie was like, it just kind of took me back to some of the experiences, some of the people I met and, you know, especially like at the, the, when he, when Ricky Baker calls themselves the skucks, like that, <laughs> uh, that word was something that I heard over there. And I remember coming back here and it's like, I, said it one time and someone looked at me like what what is what is this scucks and i'm like oh yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> so it was fun to hear that over there and kind of like have it reintegrated i guess somewhat into american culture not that this movie's a huge american movie but i i just i i have more people now that can actually get what that means and so it's, <laughs> um, anyways, it's there's i i really love just kind of being feeling a little bit immersed in like that culture a little bit more in this film and i thought that was a really cool part of this movie is that it feels like you're part of that you know it's not they're not trying to bring in the american actors to portray people you know like it's everyone's everyone's from there you know and it, it feels very authentic to that experience yeah i think you know um there's a lot of different cultures that we don't always get exposed to in america and i don't think that we have like a great sense of what new zealand is like who lives there you know, how it's more diverse than probably what we picture. And Taika being half Maori, um, he was able to sort of bring that aspect of his, you know, background into this film. And so, um, you know, like the main character is Maori as well. And that's, you know, the indigenous people in New Zealand. Um, And I don't think that a lot of us over here have like an awareness of that. And so like in some ways the film is sort of bringing, you know, that, diversity into uh you know into american cinema ricky has uh the character the actor that plays ricky has had roles after this and so has uh the actress that plays um uh, bella not bella paula um but also you know sort of subtle social commentary about what's happening over there because you notice like it does seem like some of the kids in the system tend to be like Ricky, right? And then later, he, when he stops like at a house with some other indigenous kids, that I think like it seems like they're from the same background. And later, they're the people he ends up with in the movie. But it's like he's kind of subtly pushing some of that into the film, but it's not like very overt. It's just kind of lightly touched on. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I, I really love the little family he meets. Um, <laughs> yeah, that like, girl with the horse. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it's, it's cool that he kind of ends up with them. And I, you know, like that, the dad, when he meets Ricky Baker and he's just like, oh my gosh, it's Ricky Baker. And, you know, he takes selfies with them. And <laughs> yeah. you, know, you think like, you know, I think you'd probably want to, I don't know, call someone and be like, hey, this kid's in my house. But like he, I, I, um, that type of personality that like that, that really warm and inviting and like, just like kind of building you up type thing that he does to Ricky Baker, like makes him, I don't know, like to me, he seemed like he was like making him feel good about himself. That was kind of what I experienced a little bit too, from a lot of, um, 
people that I met that were from New Zealand like that. And, oh, and so they're kind of like very friendly. There. Huh? Oh, interesting. Like you were saying, like they're very friendly and that seemed to kind of check out with your experience yeah. with them. That's cool. Yeah. Kind of like Southern hospitality, the New Zealand cool. version. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and he, and the dad seemed the young. Rugby team. Oh you know, yeah. <laughs> that's like, the, you know, that was the thing that I experienced a lot was like, you know, cause the Australia, they have their own rugby team, but the all blacks are, from what I understand are, are like, um, usually the better team, you know, most, and, and, and a lot of those, they're very, there's a lot of pride behind that. And so it mm. was like, just like those little things that they, those, those little subtle things that, that they throw in there. Like to me, having experienced some of that, it was really cool to kind of like, just brought me back to my own experiences of, of meeting some of these people. So it was, it was really cool to kind of see it depicted in this movie. Yeah, again, it's like not something that we get to see a whole lot. I think it's like our idea over here of New Zealand and Australia is probably more like a cartoonish version of it. And this is kind of more like a nuanced, you know, learning, like you said, some of the slang and just uh, culturally, you know, seeing some of that uh, portrayed a little bit more authentically for sure. Right. Um. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about when they run into, what's his name? Um, I'm looking for his name here. Psycho like, Sam. Like Sam. Yeah. I want to talk about Psycho Sam because we've got, you know, Reese in, in this one who we've, you know, we see him quite a bit, right? He was in What We Do in the Shadows, mm -hmm. uh, Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Um, you know, quite a few projects. Um, I think he was, wasn't he in uh, Voltron too? That was him, right? I think so, yeah. I didn't yeah. that, but I think he's... Or am I thinking of another actor? I th I think it was him, but I'm not sure. I, I think he is, because I follow... I, I haven't seen that, but I follow Reese Darby on Instagram, and I'm pretty sure I remember him posting about it. But he was also in the Jumanji movies. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, and then he... Yeah, and he's been in a lot of stuff. I think I first saw him in Fly of the Concords. Um... I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, whenever that kind of first came out in DVD. I remember my older, my older brother had it, and he came home from college right after I graduated high school, and we watched a lot of that, I remember. And, and he was my favorite of that show. He was so funny. Yeah, he was uh, Murray, right? Murray, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my first exposure to Reese is definitely as Murray. But yeah, he was in Voltron. He was... Uh... I mean, he's he's just it's just his voice. <laughs> he's yeah. he's Koran, but um, he sounds the the same. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, he's he's really good in that show. He's good in everything. Um, I think the first time I saw him like outside of that show was probably uh, what was that uh, Peter Jackson movie called Section something Thirty One or something like that. Um, the one the one with the aliens that are like little they kind of look like bugs oh my uh, gosh i'm describing this so poorly um you have i promise i'm just explaining it terribly i'll come back to it when i remember what it was called <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i always enjoy him and of course he's in what we do with the shadows uh what we do in the shadows uh werewolves not swearwolves so yeah. um yeah <laughs> i really enjoyed that yeah, he's he's so he's so good, and I would I would love to see him in more stuff. I mean, I mean, he's I, mean, I guess he's in a decent amount of things, but, um, uh, like, but I, I love though in this movie, like, he plays like a, 
because he kind of always plays like similar characters, I would say, but this is like mm-hmm. a different variation of that. Um, it's like conspiracy theory guy that just lives out in the woods. <laughs> and I love like when, when they meet him, he's like, he's like, have you guys heard of this, uh, this guy that lives out in the woods? And they're just like, no. And he's like, oh, okay. Like he thinks he's more like he's this urban legend and he's not really, he's just, <laughs> um, I don't know, just a lot of his humor is really great. And I love when he's like, Oh, I have the secret tunnels under my under my house. Then he's like, "Oh wait, I forgot to build it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, his scene is is pretty great. It's kind of like a scene too. I feel like where you know they're definitely uh, Ricky and and especially Sam Neill's character is like a little strange, a little out there. But then they meet somebody who is truly like, you know, quote unquote of the bush. I guess yeah. <laughs> like a little bit more out there. Right. Yeah. No. He's he's awesome, and I think like. Um, also, I was reading too that his car, Crumpy, um, Crumpy. They, they, that's actually the author of the book that it's based on. That's his Oh, author. yeah, that makes sense. Oh, by the way, the movie I was thinking of is uh, District 9, and oh, it's oh, not okay. him. It's another actor that's South African that just, uh, for whatever reason, reminded me of him, I guess. And so I just, in my mind, invented that it was him, but it's not. Yeah, no one <laughs> talking about the, the actor. Yeah. Um, he's that in plays a lot Wickes. of, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's in a lot of, uh, Neil, what is that guy's name? The director of District 9, I can't remember his last name. Anyways, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a great movie of trivia, I can't remember yeah. <laughs> anything. Uh, Neil Blomkamp. Yes, that's right. Yes, okay. so Peter Jackson produced that movie, and then this guy directed it, and right. then, yeah, that's, so my mind was making a lot of leaps, <laughs> but. There's a, a really tenuous connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I, I, I enjoy him and everything he's in. And, and again, what, even when he has like a really small part, like in this one, it's, he always just does such a good job with it. Totally. Yeah, he is. He's awesome. Um, and I love to like uh, just some of the, like kind of going back like to some of the like situational humor and different things. Like when, when they first find out that they're like, fugitives or whatever and and ricky baker's like reading the paper and he's like he's like caucasian male and he's like well they definitely got that one wrong because you're definitely white (laughs) (laughs) just some of those moments those those that humor is like i love it's so funny but i really love the scene where he makes fun of him for not being able to read and he's like i can't read i'm dumb or something like that and it makes sam neil so angry he like runs over that's how he breaks his foot (laughs) i don't know why but that just it makes me laugh so hard every time uh ricky's like front that he kind of puts on and persona his gangster persona is so funny because you just remember being a kid and like trying to be tough and cool and he just nails that so well it's funny that like no matter what era we're in, it, that that is always kind of consistently the same. <laughs> yeah, it is. It totally is. And it's interesting, too, because I, um, I used to, like I was saying before, I used to do some work in group homes and different things like that. Um, and that that is very consistent. You go into a lot of group <laughs> homes, and that's pretty, like, much, not not everyone, obviously, but that, that, that type of, uh, like, wanting to be, like, a gangster kind of, that mentality is is there um because i think though if you think about a lot of these kids they don't think they're going to end up in like with a house or a home or a family and so it's like well what else what else is there for them right they Um, they kind of rely on like 
outwardly portraying a tough shell because, you know, they, they've only got themselves to depend on. It's like, right. it's funny and it's cute, but underneath it, you're kind of like, you know, concerned for them. And totally. Ricky, you know, luckily he gets rescued in the end by that family. And I love that he gets Sam Neill back. I have to think that there was a trial and everything and right. they decided that, you know, it, it was not accurate, but he still went to jail for technically kidnapping him. But I love like, as soon as he's out, he's like, basically, I miss you. <laughs> Yeah. And they make that uh, deal where he gets to call him uncle and stuff. And I thought that was a really sweet way to, like, incorporate Sam Neill's character back into his life. Because it's like, yeah, I think after there's a national manhunt and no matter what the explanation is, you know, he disobeyed the state for six weeks and disappeared. He probably can't adopt him, but at right. least he gets to kind of be in his life. And, you know, Sam Neill's character, kind of like him, it's like he ends up in sort of a halfway house at the end. Yeah. And he was probably just going to end up being stuck and stay there because he's essentially homeless. So yeah. in a lot of ways, he really is a lot like Ricky. And it's a better, you know, situation if he comes with him and, and that family takes him in, too. Yeah. And I think that works, too, because it's like he I don't know if Sam Neill is able to like, obviously, he takes care of him in the bush or teaches him how to survive, essentially. But I don't think it's like to live in a domestic more domestic lifestyle i don't know if that's the right thing and so i feel like that i really like the way it ends too i think it ends you know the best for everyone um mm -hmm. gives, you know the opportunity to like still be out away from society in a rural area um and i think it's it's cool too that like, like it's more of this like friendship that they have now um, yeah relationship uh rather than like a father figure um but I do think it's cool. I, you know, I noticed this time I was watching it, like how, how much like Ricky's able to kind of like pick up on like these these survival skills that he, yeah. you know, like he's the one that saves him from the the giant boar that's gonna attack them. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and I, but then at the same time, Ricky kind of teaches Hector like kind of how to process his feelings and emotions a little bit because you know ricky comes in he's like oh this counselor lady taught me this thing or, and, and oh yeah and you you see this kid that's like been through like he's he's probably met with a lot of counselors over his lifetime he's had case managers he's had all these people that have been trying to help him and it's kind of cool to see that at least some of that sticks because there's that part where he's like uh yeah you're still processing like and he's talking about his friend that that died and, and how like oh, that one took me forever to process and 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 he kind of like you see at the at the end of the haiku thing that he teaches um, Hector and like he you know he does <laughs> oh yeah his haikus the way he processes him, his emotion through the haikus I love that <laughs> so it's kind of cool they end up just becoming these like like they they teach each other these skills that the other was lacking and. I think that to me, it's just kind of like, um, I don't know, sometimes there's people in our lives that we don't expect to gain anything from, but that can teach us things. And like, if we give, you know, allow ourselves to have those opportunities, like we can build these unique relationships um, and, and really like where it becomes this thing where it's like a mutual thing where we can both learn and teach each other things. I think that was kind of cool how it was represented in this odd pairing of this teenage boy and this older guy that's kind of rough and around the edges but yeah it's surprising like the the plot of the movie is very like 
it's kind of fun and silly and exciting and there's a lot of humor but there's so many moments in the film that are genuinely touching like to where yeah. there's like you're misty-eyed you know it, it's incredible the way that i think taika is able to to do both of those things simultaneously to get like real emotions out of you and yeah i was even thinking this time that maybe sam neill's character I mean, they don't say how old he is. I mean, he's older, but I was wondering if maybe he's getting towards like almost like retirement age too. Mm -hmm. So he's almost more like a grandfather at that point. But, um, and that's could be another reason why, you know, it's not only hard for him to integrate in society because he's not literate, but also just he's getting kind of too old. And so he can either like stay at that home that he's at and be sort of taken care of that way or he can go with Ricky and sort of be kind of back in society. Um, and I think that that's probably the healthier option for him. And it's also just, it's touching. Like he feels really needed and wanted at the end. And you're just like full of warm fuzzies <laughs> for everyone at the, at the end, despite the fact that there was, you know, kind of a tragedy early on in the film. And there's a lot of real moments like that, you know, uh, when Ricky talks about his childhood he even like drops a huge bomb at one point in the movie where he's like, yeah, my friend died. Right. Yeah. And, and he's like, well, what happened? He's like, well, I don't know. They just told me she died. I'm like, Oh my God. And it's kind of like, it almost like he, he, he's not really old enough to like really process that yet. And it's yeah. sort of paid or played, I'm sorry, a little bit for humor, but you can tell like, it's, it's also this like softly introduced something a little bit deep, deeper and darker. And, but yet when you walk away from this movie, you don't feel like, oh, it's like a dark movie. Like, not at all. Like, it's a very happy movie uh, with a lot of heart. It's just they inject some, you know, re- reality into it, too. Totally. Well, I think that's like what, um, I don't know, that's like one of, to me, like one of Taika's really strong skill sets is he takes yes. like heavy subject matter and he can make it approachable and make it like, something that is not i don't think he treats it lightheartedly i don't think but like he because he doesn't i think he treats it as it is but he he's able to like do it with like you know like with humor but also like with a lot of heart behind it um to where it just i don't know it's like this really compelling story that he's able to bring out you know and like you look at something like jojo rabbit which is about you know, World War Two and Nazi Nazi Germany, and 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 like he 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 makes a movie that's like both funny but also sad and 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 dramatic, and but also leaves you kind of like feeling somewhat inspired and somewhat hopeful. And I feel like mm-hmm. he does that really well with this as well. Like he takes because this is you know this is something that like you know thousands of I, I don't know the numbers but a lot of people deal with like a lot of children are in the foster care system or they yeah. they lose a parent or whatever like there's so many people out there we don't see this represented very much in film or media like characters in these these roles or even someone like Hector who you know we, we don't get a ton of his backstory but we learn that you know he, he killed someone um, which is you know pretty awful thing and it doesn't he didn't do it maliciously you know from what we learn but he still did and he still paid those consequences and and how does someone like that how does someone how do you how do you go on with your life after that like how do you Mm -hmm. and i think that the movie like shows this guy is like been discarded by society basically and kind of left to like 
you know, like he's, he doesn't add value to anywhere, but then he's able to kind of have this second chance at this later yeah. in his life where he's able to make connect with this kid and, and then eventually ends up in a, in a, in a good spot. And I think he, Taika just does so good at like taking these difficult real world situations and making a really interesting story that's not only like brings awareness to a lot of these things, but also gives you some sort of like hope and inspiration from all of it that well, even though we experience these terrible things, like we can still find um, some sort of, you know, be peace or hope through all these things, if that makes sense at all. But. Oh, no, it does. Actually, that I hadn't thought about that with Sam Neill's character, but it's like, yeah, there's a cyclical nature to this whole, you know, in the system thing, right? Where it's like, you kind of get the feeling that he's kind of like Ricky in the sense that he probably grew up with a pretty rocky start and then he ended up committing a crime or, you know, and then he ends up, like you said, being sort of discarded. I mean, that's kind of the direction Ricky was headed in and the big catalyst of change was actually Bella for both of them. It's almost like saying, you know, if somebody can intervene and, and take someone's life on a different direction, they can have such a big impact on that person and that, you know, people shouldn't be discarded. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't even thought of that, but I really like that. And I, I know that some of Taika's sort of critics, you know, I've seen people say like they didn't like Thor Ragnarok. It was too silly. Um, and, and the biggest thing that I hear consistently is that the humor like undercuts the emotional impact of certain scenes. But I think it takes a lot of talent to do what Taika does where it doesn't undercut it. To me, it adds layers to it. And I think life is complicated. Life can be simultaneously funny and sad and all those things. Yes, sometimes the humor is there to give us a break, but I think sometimes it's part of the scene because it's just like part of the moment and part of life. You can kind of have both. So I guess that brings me to my last couple of questions for you. Um, number one, uh, why do you? Why does this movie resonate with you so much? Why do you feel like? it has rewatch value and, and, you know, you, you keep coming back to it and have enjoyed it so much. Um, I think, I mean, a lot of things we've touched on, but I think I, I, I just really love that. It's like this story about two people that essentially like, you know, like we don't like most people in society, we don't look upon those people as, as having value, like in, in our culture mm -hmm. kind of viewed as like, Oh, we have to help them or we're the ones that have to extend ourselves to help these people. They're, they're pulling us down, but in reality, like they're still people and they still have things to contribute. And I think this movie treats them like that. It treats them like, like real human beings and, and yeah, they're flawed and yeah, they make mistakes, but it's like, it gives them, it gives someone like that a, a, a stage or an opportunity to like show their worth, I guess. And I guess to me, I think it, you know, for me, just even like for me personally, like knowing when I've made mistakes in my own life and you feel that like guilt or shame that you carry and like seeing characters like this, like I, I, I really love that because it gives you like, to me at least, it gives me a sense of like of motivation or, you know, like hope that even when we, when we screw up and we make mistakes, we can still, there's still people out there that will, will accept us and that we can still recover from those things that our life isn't over just because we made a mistake and i think that's one thing that i really love about it and then of course it's just it's really funny um <laughs> that helps too literally, like it's hilarious like i've like i've seen i've watched this movie a, a ton and i and, and there, there's like a few a lot, lot of different moments where i've just been almost crying because i'm laughing so hard so it's 
it's just it, it has all the things I love about a movie. It's like there's there's heartfelt emotion to it. It's funny. It, there's some fun, exciting action in it too. Um, and so it's one that I just think is, and I think it's accessible to all ages. Like it's pretty, you know, it's, it's, it's you can show this to to kids, to adults, and everyone can enjoy it. So I think it's one that is just hits all the buttons for me. So. Um. What is your pitch to someone that hasn't seen this movie before? Um, see, I and I've told a lot of people about this because usually when me I too. Watch, <laughs> like I like, have you heard of the Hunt for the Willow People? They're like, no, I've never heard of it. I'm like, oh man, it's, um, you know, I guess kind of the way I usually describe it is is, um, it's you know like this this really funny heartfelt quirky exciting movie you know i guess that's kind of how i've described it and i know at times too i've like i've, I've told people like it's it's kind of because a lot of and in my circle of friends and people napoleon dynamite was huge when that came out um, oh yeah like 15 years ago whatever that was i was in it high was school, huge you know? yeah and so i've kind of used that for, for people like that i've never heard of. like so it's kind of like napoleon dynamite except it's like got a lot more heart to it and it's in new zealand <laughs> that's actually a really good comparison because it, it, it's it's kind of quirky like that film i mean it, it's probably before in the mainstream we saw stuff like a lot of wes anderson films and things like that and i know people kind of compare taika to wes anderson but i think he's like a little bit more subtle than that movie yeah. than, than his you know not not throwing any shade towards wes anderson i love his films but yeah. he's a little bit more subtle and i think you're right i think the humor is like akin a little bit more to something like napoleon dynamite i, I like that i'm going to use that yeah, and the point dynamite's kind of about small town Idaho. And yeah, takes you to that where this takes you to like New Zealand, and I think, but it's to me though where I think it's 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 a better movie. Not I still love the point dynamite, but like it just has a little bit more depth to it, and I think oh for what, sure that's what makes it more than just like a one or two time viewing for me, where it's a movie that I like to go back and revisit a lot. So completely agree well thomas thank you so much for coming on today uh do you have anything you want to plug um yeah i mean if you anyone wants to follow up and listen to my podcast here more of my thoughts i have my podcast is called superhero movie cast and we're pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts um so yeah that's that's where you can find more of my stuff if you want to keep up with me great well thank you so much and have a good one yeah you too thank you Thank you.